Hello everyone, I'm Lauren and that's Carla. Hiya. And this is Chirping with ABA Owls. Just a disclaimer at the beginning, because Carla and I like to do this, that these are our thoughts and experiences and we're not claiming to know everything. We're only speaking from our experience, which to be fair, we have quite a lot of um, <laughs> at, this present, at this present time. Um, so I don't know. Do we have anything to discuss from our previous podcast? I can't remember, Carla. Was that the one with Tracy? Yeah, it was the one with Tracy. I, you know, we, I don't think so. We just wanted to say Me we're neither. recording this uh, beforehand. It's August. We were meant to do it in July, but life happens. Um, and you're listening to this in September. So we are recording a little bit ahead of time uh we did spend a bit a, a bit without recording which was a nice break for us mm-hmm. <laughs> so so sorry if anyone missed us if you did we're happy you missed us it's always nice to be missed <laughs> <laughs> and i wanted to say like on a personal note and not that people care but i passed my bcba exam so i'm a bcba now yeah so that's yes so it's that's, quite a big milestone for us folk guys. It's a massive milestone. Yeah. I know. I'm still recovering from all the study. <laughs> yeah. No, that that is the hard part. Oh my. Oh my days. Well I did it. Done. Two BCBAs doing a podcast. Yay. Alright, so let's just get into it. The topic for today is is ABA a science? And we chose today's theme because it's been on our minds for quite some time. So we constantly battle skepticism from other fields and as to the veracity of our claims in us being a science. And we know that the people who hear this podcast are the ones that will listen to what we have to say. So it's kind of like preaching, what's it called? Preaching to the congregation. Yeah, isn't it preaching to the choir? Is that preaching to the choir? I've heard both. I've heard I've never heard congregation before, but that's interesting. I think in Portuguese we say congregation, and ah, in English it's choir. Cool. Yeah. So, but just in case... Oh, the other you know, one is preaching to the converted. That's the other one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that makes Sorry. sense. Yeah, but just in case you ever come across someone questioning you about ABA or behavior analysis, science of behavior, etc., you now have this episode that you can refer back to when facing the skeptics. Uh, and also feel free to communicate any topics you'd be interested in. You can email us at aba.owls.uk at gmail.com or you can contact us through our website www.abaowls.com or on Instagram at aba underscore owls or the Facebook at abaowls. Oof. Yeah, a lot of ABA owls there. <laughs> well done. I know, all, all the <laughs> ABA owls. Blimey. All right, so um, I'm going to start off uh, and then Lauren's going to take the wheel so first as our usual structure with wh so first we're going to go into what what is science so we're going to quote from our aba bible apply behavior analysis by cooper hayward and no hayward seward this is wrong i wrote this and heward and oh, you can yeah, listen heward. <laughs> yeah and our previous but you can listen to it on our previous episode of the hood chronicles um to get a better understanding of this book if you're interested and how as we mentioned in how's it mentioned in cooper he heron and heward i will never say this right <laughs> <laughs> the definition of science lies not in test tubes spectrometers or electron accelerators but in the behavior of science amen and of course yeah And of course, we do love to compare definitions, and the Oxford Dictionary defines science as 
the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. Oof. Yeah, so, marathon name. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, from what we've just mentioned, it's fair to say that science is not all about being a doctor or a cancer researcher. Uh, and there was one important word, very uh, very important word mentioned in the Oxford definition, and that was behavior. And just in case you need the podcast, behavior is what we are all about, all our lives. So how does behavior analysis fit in science? And here's another quote from Cooper and Heron and Heward. The overall goal of science is to achieve a thorough understanding of the phenomena under study, socially, socially important behaviors in the case of applied behavior analysis. And just to let everyone know, we will be quoting a bit of Cooper, Heward and Howard in this episode. Sorry about that. So this was a bit about what is science, what's, what's considered science, the definition of science. And now we're going to look into the principles of science. So, but don't worry, we're not going to give you a lecture. We're not going to go into details about everything. It's just an overall. So, first off, there's a difference between attitudes and levels of understanding of science. You know, when doing an online research for principles of science, we noticed that there were a lot of things thrown in together. So, there were references to six, four, or even five principles. And there was a lot of usage of words such as cooperation and harmony, etc., and to be honest, I f this felt a bit confusing. So how can you measure these things? And science is all about observation, data, and analysis of the data. But the data needs to be measurable, attainable. So let's go into the attitudes of science very quickly. So there are six attitudes. Determinism, empiricism, experimentation, replication, parsimony, and philosophical doubt. This means that how scientists conduct experiments should follow these attitudes. And we won't be discussing each of them. You can re do your own research if you want. You know, you have fingers, you have internet. And But as we mentioned, we don't want to delve, we don't want to do, do a lecture. We just. But to summarize, scientists have an hypothesis, they experiment, they get evidence, and then they question everything. Everything found in science is to be questioned. And that doesn't mean we never reach a conclusion. We do find results, but it's by questioning those results and the procedures used that we develop better and better methods. So these were the attitudes of science. And the levels of understanding of science of understanding science are three. Their description, prediction, and control. So we collect informa information that can be measured and classified. And with consistent observation, we begin to find a relationship in events. And based on that relationship, we predict how a behavior will potentially manifest. And then we manipulate the environment around it to confirm that relationship. Okay, so these are the, the main areas uh, in science. So if you, if you do an online search for principles of science, principles of science, you'll find a variety of articles, all saying slightly different things. But when you read the definitions or what they're trying to convey, you will see that they kind of fit either in the six attitudes of science or in the three levels of understanding of science. And here's another quote for you. Replica replication is the essence 
of Believability. That's by Bayer, Wolf and Risley, 1968. So just to summarize, this is what is defined as science, the attitudes of science, and the levels of understanding of science. So anything that follows this can be considered science. And I'm going to pass the wheel to Lauren. Thank you, Carla. It's actually really interesting having someone describe it to you, even though I know that. It was quite nice to listen to. So thanks. Um, Thank you. And I, you know, as we said, Beowulf and Rosley, they that 1968 article is like the most important ABA article or journal article ever. So if you haven't read it, go and read it. It's short, it's beautiful, and it's everything, basically, in terms it's of short. ABA. Mm, it's shorter than some okay (laughs) well i think it's interesting to read you know it's actually quite yeah it is it is okay so maybe it feels feels shorter because it's interesting i don't know um it feels shorter when you read it like for the second or third time yeah or like the seventh (laughs) (laughs) you know sometimes when i feel lost like when people question us, Carla was saying, you know, sometimes people question our ability to be able to be considered scientists or when I feel lost and I don't know how to answer ABA, I feel lost in other people's worry, I go to that article and then I know exactly where to go. I don't know. It just, it helps things mm. be very clear for me what I need to be doing. So yeah, I'm glad nice. you referenced it. Um, so yeah, so after what, I'm going to discuss who. So mine's a little bit, Carlos has been very technical. Mine's going to be a little bit more about who we think, you know, can be a scientist or who, who can be a scientist, really. And when I started writing or researching for this episode, I found it quite difficult to answer because, I don't know, I just did. After some research and thought, as always, the answer is anyone Yes, anyone can be a scientist. It's a simple fact that most people don't realize it. A scientist is someone who tackles a problem through scientific methods, which is, you know, Carla explained very clearly for us. You know, so the methods, you know, we need to follow those methods. And if you can, then you can be considered a scientist. So I'll continue with some more explanations. I think that as the human race or as the human condition, we see scientists as a stereotype, much like other professions, you know, psychologists are always people who wear glasses and powder necks or turtlenecks, you know, doctors always have terrible handwriting, teachers are always women and bossy, accountants are nerds, you know, hairdressers always have crazy hair or immaculate but, hair, you know. But can I, yeah. can I just say, in terms of turtlenecks, I always think about Ted Bundy. Do you? It always makes you think, you know how they used to show you those really like, they'd interview psychologists in the 90s and they'd always have a powder neck and sometimes a waistcoat and glasses. Oh my God. That's exactly what they look like. Turtleneck always makes me think of Ted Bundy. It's horrible. Yeah, I don't know why men wear them. I I don't really like them, but I don't know why men wear them either, but whatever. See, I I feel suffocating. I used to when I was younger, but now I just, I feel like it's suffocating me. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so yeah, you, you get what I mean about stereotypes, you know? So I think that people or, you know, the human race, so how we see scientists as people who work in labs and who wear white coats and use test tubes and microscopes. Okay, they're always doing this groundbreaking research. I think we can all kind of relate to this. And I'm not saying this is a criticism of people and stereotype, you know, of stereotypes, but something that we can relate to or at least picture. I asked a friend also who they think can be a scientist and they mentioned some qualities, which I thought was quite, I thought I'd mention here. Um, They said it has to be someone who questions or looks at things. 
okay, without just accepting what people say, but observing things for themselves, someone who enjoys finding out information, and someone who is like measured and calm and has a passion for researching. So I thought that was a really good way to describe a scientist without talking about labs and coats and, you know, microscopes. Um, so I just thought it was worth a mention. So how would we be able to call ourselves scientists? I believe that because as a behavior analyst, you look at something, mostly behavior, okay, and we try to find out as much information about the behavior and it's most natural, you know, how it occurs in the natural environment. And we try to understand all the things that influence it, okay? So we're looking at environmental things, we're looking at other people, we're looking at um, all sorts of things. Um, if we understand all the different factors that influence it, we can better understand how to alter or shape it into something else, or if we want to sculpt it into something else. So I think we can be, you know, considered scientists because of this. But I'll go on to that a little bit later. But I thought, you know, who is basically anyone, really? Did you want to add anything yeah. there, Carla? No, you said it beautifully. I don't have anything to add. Cool. Sorry, mine was <laughs> short, but I just thought it needed to be short and sweet. Yeah. Okay. And now we're going to go into the when and where. So when is it necessary? And we... Both Laura and I are of the opinion that science can help us in pretty much everything. Uh, we've all heard the, science, the sentence, the scientific approach, and that refers to using analytical and unbiased methods to do something. You know, you create, an hypo you create hypothesis, you use the process of elimination, you test, etc. And where can science be used? Pretty much anywhere, but our areas are more relating to schools and teaching. And, you know, again, there are many, many areas where science can be used. Um, and I've been reading this book called Blind Spots by Kimberly Nix Behrens, and she writes about the American educational system, but it can easily be compared to worldwide education. And that she does mention that schools have become more like a doctrine where everyone must follow its teachings and any questioning will not be allowed. And I really agree with her. I wholeheartedly agree with her because yeah. we, it's like maybe not every school's like that. Like we can't generalize too much. Mm. But even from my experience as a student, if you question something like why are we doing this this way? Mm. Like it's always told with this is how you learn or this is how like... And it's almost like they chastise you for mm. wanting to try different methods. And, you know, let's take homework, for example. So ABA has done, has done some research on performance improved by homework. To be honest, I haven't read any of it, but I am aware that the, yeah, but I am aware that the research exists. Like I've seen, I've seen, I've done research on if it actually exists, and I found quite a few articles. But I do remember spending the whole day in school, and after year four, year four people, you're like ten. I was in school until five or six thirty every day. And then I went home and I still had homework to do. And when I was doing my A-levels for British people, that's 11, 12. Like in Portugal, A-levels is from year 10 to year 12. Um, and I remember I had to sleep a lot over the weekends to recover. And during the week, I didn't sleep that much. So, but how can they be sure that homework actually helped me retain information? I, I did all my homework. I was a teacher's pet. Sorry. Uh, but I still had to study for the test. I said I didn't feel like I knew the subject well enough. 
So in reality, was doing homework really helping? Like, was it was it the type of homework given, uh, or was it me doing it wrong? Like, I I don't know it. I don't know now. But but looking back, it's just I didn't feel like the homework actually helped. Mm. And isn't it? And that's the idea. Like, if you're given homework, that's to support you. But I still had to study loads because. So isn't the homework meant? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense. Mm. There's something there that's amiss, and the homework area is just something that comes to my mind, but I'm sure if I sat down and really thought about it, I could think of other areas where science could be used. Like, what do you think, Lauren? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to comment on two things. So I, I yeah. think that, you know, school, they talk about education, and I must find this beautiful quote. I must try and find it. Um, I'll try and find it for the end because it's really, really appropriate. And... Um, I think school teaches you to absorb information. So you, you know, you, you must learn to be a sponge and you must learn to, you know, learn all the stuff and spew it out. And I think only when you go to university, which let's be honest, how many people in the world have access to that? Do they teach you to think that you must argue your point and you must think about what people are saying? Um, and, you know, I don't think you should wait to university to get to that point. And I think it might be too late because yeah. you're already an adult by then. You're not questioning anything when yeah. you're a kid. And I think children that are that challenge, and I mean that in a good way, challenge education. I mean that they question the things they're learning. Are the children that are seen as like the bad seeds? And that's very sad because they're probably going to be really good where they're going, but that's not the right time because they're in the wrong institution, you know? Um, well, I yeah. I had that. I had that in, um, well, throughout my life, but in year 12, I remember one time, my class was really small, and I remember the teacher, the Portuguese teacher, um, was wanting us to sign something called a reading contract. So you, you commit to uh, reading and doing a presentation on a book per term. And I said, look, I don't want to sign this, first off, because I've signed it before and then there were some issues in my family and I couldn't do it and that got thrown in my face. Secondly, if I don't do it, just fail me. Done. Like, you know, I have to do the assignment either way. And there was this big argument in my class, in the whole class, because everyone was saying for me, oh, just sign it, just sign it. And the more people tell me to do something, mm. the less I want to do. I'm like, why? Like, I'm not asking you guys to not sign. It's my personal choice. I'm a minor. I shouldn't be signing official documents without my guardian present. And it's not valid. Like, what is this? And it was like, honestly, I don't know how long that argument went. And the teacher at the end said, if you're not signing it, I'm not signing it. And I said, okay. So, but everyone was just pushing me and I said why I always do my assignments it's my choice I'm not butting in into your personal issues like if I don't want to sign it I'm not going to sign it exactly I'm trying to find I'm going to need to find that quote it's so good it's about education it talks about education you can always put it on Instagram put it on Instagram yeah, it's when really, release really the powerful. episode maybe yeah yeah yeah. When you, yeah, put a, yeah let's put a reminder to put on Instagram yeah. when we release the episode um cool yeah I think that's what I wanted to say I think you know it's it's very interesting, and I think the more I actually spend a lot of time with young people of all education systems. So whether they're in mainstream education or they're in private education or they're in special education, yeah, and all of them feel a little. I I, I sense, and from the questions I ask, feel a bit lost. You know, they they spend yeah. whatever twelve, ten to twelve years in school, and then you leave and you go, well, I don't know what I want to do with my life because I've had someone telling me what to do forever. And yeah. um, what I also want to say about homework is. 
how much of that is independently done because I babysit a lot of kids and you just support them through all their homework. They don't know how to do this on their own. So mm-hmm. I don't know what independence in terms of education is being taught. And I mean that yeah. how you're able to do that without help from others. Um, yeah, I don't – that's well, and, things and I question. some people – and some people just have them collect, like, for example, I would do my homework and then my parents would check. And if I did a mistake, they would say, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong. Go, And I had to correct on my own, but they were the ones catching the mistake, not me. Mm. But then but then after year five, they stopped doing that. And if I had mistakes, it was my own responsibility. Um, but yeah, homework, well, homework can be a, a funny one. I remember in history class once, our teacher was really cool and she used... You know, she tried to make things fun, and she used a terminology, like, more simple terminology to describe, like, this history thing we were studying. Uh, for example, oh, and queen, what's her face, you know, kicked uh, king, blah, blah, like, out, like, something like that. But to make it fun. And my my classmate, in her homework, she actually wrote that. Oh, my mom. <laughs> so she... <laughs> And the teacher was like, oh, this is not what I meant. Like, I was just, you know, exactly. <laughs> trying to make it. <laughs> oh, all keys. Oh, I know. Yeah. I can't find the educator. I'm going to look for it because it's such a good one. I thought it was beautiful. It's fine. Cool. I'm going to go on to how. So, you know, how do, do we use behavioral science? How do we use it? Okay. The simple answer is yes. Okay. You'll find applied behavior analysis studies in a multitude of areas, okay? As we've mentioned before in previous episodes, okay? I think that was our, I can't remember what it was, that myths and misconceptions, Carla, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, ra- ranging from AIDS prevention to conservation of natural resources, health and exercise, education, indus- industry, what's it, industrial safety, language acquisition, like medical procedures, parenting, and the list could go on forever, Okay. Basically, if humans are involved and there's a behavior, we can use behavioral science to increase or decrease certain parts of human interaction with the environment. That's basically, okay? According to Britannica.com, behavioral science looks at the subject of human actions. Behavioral science studies human behavior, specifically how humans make decisions in the real world. Therefore, in ABA, we use behavioral science as it involves human actions of behavior. Done! (laughs) Um... I think also, like, a good question to ask, and Carl and I know this intimately, we were talking about this right before we started recording, is how do we maintain Mm. our practice? Because it's all Uh very well to call yourself a science, okay, a scientist, okay, and be part of the science world, but what we know about science is that it's always evolving, so we're always learning, so we always have to keep up with the most current, okay? So how do we maintain our practice? Basically, we do it all the time. If you're part of the ABA community, you have to keep learning and training within different areas of ABA. And there's a there's kind of a new branch of ABA. Well, it's not really new, but it's what we're calling the kind of this area called progressive ABA, which is trying to separate itself from classic ABA and demonstrating that ABA is evolving. It's not about making a procedure like just one blanket procedure for 10 kids. It's about assessing how this procedure could help 10 kids and how it would how it would change it to suit every child okay so and because it is a science and therefore you know we learn more from our research and our evidence-based practice we are always learning more about how much better we can be at helping people and improving our strategies if you will 
Basically, we do this to improve the lives of our clients or the people we work with. We want to be really good at stuff. We want to know all these things. And we don't really have a choice. As a board-certified behavior analyst, you have to earn 32 CEU, so your continuing education units. Or some people call them CPD, so that's a continual continuing professional development points. So every two years, we have to get 32, which is about 32 hours, roughly, of learning. Mm, okay. Well, yeah, more. It's never really... No, it's, it's hours really more than that. Hours. I would say it's 64, okay? And these range across, like, ethics, supervision, and learning. Okay, they changed one of the topics. I looked the other day, and it changed. It's in a different area now. But basically, those it's, are the kinds of things. It's called general. Yeah. Is it general? Yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, we're learning, because we have to keep... All these three, like we have to do all these three areas within our 32 CEUs to keep our certification, to keep being part of the certified, uh, keeping your board certification alive. So basically, we are constantly maintaining our practice and keeping up yeah. with current material because this way we give the best service to our clients and it's kind of mandatory. Um, but there's also a requirement to stay ahead of any changes, you know, to the ethics code or the supervising um, board certified assistant behavior analysis, 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 I can't say Carla, analysis, <laughs> there's it. And analysts. Yeah, analysts <laughs> and registered behaviors technicians. So we have to do this if we want to help others better in the field too. So basically, we're always maintaining it. It's never an option yeah, not to. <laughs> And also to supervising BCBAs, not just yeah. BCABAs, right? Mm. And if you don't want to do supervision, you can replace those with general CUs. Mm. Um, but yeah, but it's basically kind of like doctors have their, you know, is it lectures? They do this work. I don't know. Doctors have like yeah. My friend is a pharmacist. Lectures. Has to do has to do points too to keep his to keep what like yeah, the board it, of people the whatever the pharmacist yeah, exactly. of South Africa or whatever. Exactly. And now we are reaching near the end. This is going to be a shorter episode, I think. Um, But it's more like, why do we call ourselves scientists? And I think it can be quite... Sometimes it's hard to to answer, isn't it? Mm. It's just... It depends. Like, Lauren, do you want want to take this first? Yeah, I can. You know, I think... The easiest way to answer this is because we practice science through collecting data and examining variables and being discerning and obviously trying our best to be objective. You know, we can't not be, I mean, we say we can be really objective, but ultimately something's going to influence that. We could argue that, but we try to be really objective, you know, and looking at data as objectively as possible. And I think also analyzing it to the nth degree because that's what I was trying to explain to someone the other day about the difference between just being a behavior analyst and then being an applied behavior analyst because we could just analyze behavior till the end of time but it's what we do with the with that that information of analysis we apply that can alter the future form of that behavior so yeah Mm. um I think you know, we looked at predicting different outcomes before we put in a plan that like Colin, I think, mentioned in a previous podcast. How many hours go into research just to find out if we can find a, more research on what the plan we would like it to look like and how it's going to influence yeah. our clients and how we're going to get our, you know, our colleagues on board with it and how we're going to train them and is it going to have the outcome we want? So we're going to have to assess that. And I think, you know, creating and implementing interventions interventions is a massive part of what we do. It's basically what we should always be doing. And then assessing the outcome. So I would say yes. 
not a lab coat, you know, like testing, testing scientist. But yeah, I I feel like I think like a scientist. Um, you know, I do. You know, I do feel like we should call ourselves scientists. We do have a qualification and experience in the scientific mm. method. But even knowing all this, it's so hard mm. to get to let go of that preconceived image of what a scientist is because mm. it's how we've been conditioned all our lives to think of what a scientist is, and then, you know, but it's just using the scientific method, and I don't know, like just to end, just to end the episode, like I. I sometimes, you know that thing of the imposter syndrome. Mm. Like I, I, I hesitate to call myself a science, if a scientist, even though I do use science in my work. Like all my, all everything I do is science based. However, if I say I'm a scientist, people, I feel like people will be like, "Are you really?" Mm. Like, and it's just, it's just so weird to deal with that, isn't it? I think you know. I worry about what. Where how and I know this is silly. This is probably just a Lauren thing, but how people perceive me, and then they think, well, she's far too loopy to be a scientist. She doesn't seem like she has any <laughs> method to the madness. There's just this <laughs> well flappy. What was crazy, Einstein if not? Yeah, what was Einstein if not loopy? Exactly. You know? With great hair, where they add. I mm. love the crazy hair. But yeah, that's the kind of thing. Is that like I I know what you mean when you say imposter syndrome. I I don't want to say it because I don't want people to to judge me on something that they think I should be doing. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. I'm worrying about their idea. And also because it isn't, it doesn't always look like very strategic, you know, it doesn't always look like it's very stringent and we're really thinking about everything. Sometimes we just go with the flow that they find that hard to marry with scientific, you know, ideas. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I, yeah, I feel like because what I do day to today doesn't feel like science. That I also because I we have to rely on others for information. We, you know, we can't always be directly that we. It's what we receive feels like watered down science. Okay, because I'm obviously yeah. imagining labs and tests and really strict ways of taking data. But you know, we we are researchers, we're practitioners. Okay, not all of us, but some of us work with with people you know and in aba we we not only are we scientists but we're practitioners we use the science to practice with others um and we're trainers we use all this information to train others to to further our teaching okay and testing whether these treatments or interventions are doing what they predicted to do you know basically we are we have to be scientists no other option you know we're constantly assessing whether our interventions are effective as we said before, blame is never on the client, ever. It's always on how much mm-hmm. we can be improving. And I mean the environment, our teaching, all the variables. So yeah, you know, maybe I don't feel like a scientist, but the work I do is science. And maybe we need to focus on the fact that because science is progressive, that we maybe we're doing like modern day science or progressive modern day science i don't know that's just behavioral yeah like the, we can say i feel better when i say behavioral scientist yeah, yeah. Be- you know what i mean like i don't know why like i feel better when i use that terminology mm-hmm. i need to do my business cards i might put there behavioral science yeah bcba because I, artists people find it hard especially here in south africa people find it hard to understand what i mean when i'm talking about aba because it's obviously not as forward in the journey of ABAs other countries yeah I remember when I we Tracy and I talked about it, I think last time like I remember when I moved to the UK no one had even heard of ABA the school was functioning in this little bubble 
And um, now it's yeah. like everybody's doing ABA in the UK. It's kind of boomed. And I've I've just left that world and come to South Africa and I'm back to where I was when I left when I arrived in England. I was like, oh, I have to start all over oh, again. Oh dear lord! And I'm on my oh. own. Fantastic. But um, it's good. I think it makes you a better practitioner as well as um, scientist yeah, to be able to show that you can do things. You know. Um, so yeah, I think I don't really know what else to say, Carla. I think that's about it, really. I think that was this was a short episode, cool. uh, just to ease you guys back into <laughs> owls. Um, we also, just so you know, we have changed. Uh, we're going to change a little bit the uh, uploading of our episodes. So this, if you see, this is now going to be marked as season two, part one. So we realize we need more breaks than what we've been giving ourselves. So we're going to be publishing, sorry, uploading, sorry. Um, publishing is right, I think. Five yeah. episodes. Yeah, five episodes. And then we're going to take a month off. And then five other episodes and another month off. So we're going to do five episodes. Then uh, The last one will be in February. No, sorry, in January. And then February we're going to take a month off. And then we, re we come back with season two, part two. Uh, just so everyone is aware we're gonna give ourselves we need a bit of a break because this is hard work editing just saying poor Carla guys she does all of this <laughs> I don't do any of this <laughs> oh no come on you you write the episode as well come yeah on. I, I listen like, to it and I give her like time but she does all of this so she's the yeah. tech savvy one I'm like the fluff I do the other stuff anyway so as we said earlier if you want to contact us you can do so at aba.owls.uk at gmail.com or on our website www.abaowls.com. Check our website for more information on our future workshops because when we come back with them, we don't know when, but we will, anyone will be able to join. doesn't matter where you are in the world. And that was it for me. Yeah, then our next episode, guys, will be on the first Monday of October, the 4th. And as you might have noticed, we change the Hoot Chronicles to mid-month. So that's the third Monday of each month. And as Carla just mentioned, please feel free to email us again on aba.owls.uk at gmail.com or message us on Instagram. That's at aba underscore owls. If you have a particular topic you'd like us to address, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. So please get hold of us. And again, we say this a lot, but thank you so much to everybody who's listening. You know, we're really grateful. And sometimes we hear back from people and it's so wonderful. And we look forward to really bringing you some new content soon. And we've got some great ideas up our sleeve. And of course, do yeah. not forget to rate, like, and subscribe to us, Chirping with ABA Owls on iTunes and Instagram and Facebook. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Chat Bye. to you later. Bye. You know what the problem is? We need to find a way to make money from the podcast. Yeah, we do. 100%. Should we start a Patreon thing? I don't know. Does it work? Oh, I don't understand. I, I would have to do some... I, I need to research as well on... I don't want to... I feel like I don't want to do ads, but maybe we have to, even yeah. though it's so annoying to do ads. Maybe. You know what I mean? You're onto something there, Maybe. Carla. Oh, maybe. That's what everyone does, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I, we need to do research. Another thing for the to-do list. Yay. Uh, <laughs> the list of lists. <laughs>